0: The CNBC app. Global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected. Stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box. We're coming to you live from London this morning and from Nansha, China. I'm at East Tech West, CNBC's big technology conference in the Greater Bay Area here in China. So we seem to have some progress on trade talks with the Chinese media touting constructive dialogue in a weekend phone call. There's also the promise of extending licenses for Huawei technology. But the chairman of that company tells me it'll make very little progress to the way his business develops.
1: Our products are able to be shipped without the reliance on the U.S. components and chips. We're able to timely supply our customers with our products."
2: Violent clashes gripping Hong Kong, though, as police and protesters engage in a fierce battle at a university campus, whilst the High Court rules a ban on face masks is unconstitutional.
3: Saudi Aramco aims for a $1.7 trillion valuation in its highly anticipated IPO, short of the $2 trillion goal set by the Kingdom's Crown Prince.
4: Well, the Dubai Air Show failing in its first day to drum up any major deals, at least so far, but we could hear some news from Airbus pretty soon. I had the chance to catch up with the company's C- CCO and I asked him about the Boeing 737 Max.
0: This does not benefit anyone in this industry, the least uh, of which would be Airbus. Uh, uh, It's a a tragedy, it's an issue uh, for Boeing to resolve, but it is not good for the competitors uh, to see problems on any uh, one particular airplane.
2: Well, so big show for you today from, of course, the Middle East and indeed in China. Well, we'll be back in a few moments time. Ahead of that, Chinese and US officials held, quote, constructive discussions about each other's concerns around a potential phase one. We should say comprehensive phase one, don't we? That's what we keep getting sold on this one. Trade deal this weekend, according to the Chinese Ministry of Commerce, which says the phone conversation came at the request of the US Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin and trade representative Robert Lighthizer. Both sides agree to stay in close contact. The Trump administration is set to grant a two-week extension to a license that allows U.S. companies to do business with China's Huawei, according to multiple media reports. The decision comes after the U.S. placed the tech company on an economic blacklist early this year over national security concerns. Well, you've seen, Jeff, already uh, in Nansha at the heart of China's Greater Bay Area for CNBC's uh, East Tech West. And Jeff, I suppose the question, which I still don't know the answer to, but I'm sure you do a lot more, certainly you have a lot more idea about, is Huawei a national security concern for the US, or is it a bargaining chip in the whole process towards getting a deal? Good morning to you, my friend.
0: Yeah, very good morning, Steve. Well, that is a conundrum, isn't it? Because as we look around the allies, they've taken very different views on the technology. We had confirmation uh, within the last 24 hours that Spark, the New Zealand company, would continue to keep Huawei on its preferred supplier list. Uh, we've seen a different view from the Australians and the Japanese. And, of course, as far as the UK is concerned, well, everybody, everything is on the back burner pretty much until we get the other side of the election. So so they haven't made a firm decision. It is curious, though, isn't it, if there is such a big problem with Huawei technology, why does the United States keep extending extending the licences that allow select US companies to buy Huawei technology. And that's ultimately what we're talking about here, the reports that there will be another two-week extension granted after the last 90-day extension. I had a chance to sit down with uh, the chairman of Huawei, uh, Liang Hua, and ask him specifically for a reaction To that announcement, what difference would it make as far as Huawei's business is concerned with those American companies? Let's hear what he had to say.
1: No matter whether there will be an extension uh, in terms of its real impact on Huawei, it will be very limited. Our products are able to be shipped without the reliance on the U.S. components and chips. We're able to timely supply our customers with our products. In the past 20, 30 years, we have established sound partnerships with the U.S. suppliers. Huawei has grown with the support of the U.S. suppliers. If the U.S. would allow U.S. suppliers to provide for us, we would continue to cooperate with them with an open approach. We'll continue to buy and then put them in our products. If otherwise, if the U.S will not allow them to supply, we still have the ability to make sure that our mainstream products, including the 5G base stations, access networks, core networks, to be continued to be supplied for our customers, we will be able to continue with the manufacturing and the supplies. So the temporary general license and the entity list would pose a bigger damage to the U.S. suppliers than to us. We really hope that the U.S. government should consider the interests of U.S. suppliers when we are developing and growing. To some extent, we don't have to rely on the U.S. suppliers to design our future-oriented products. Whether there will be an extension or not, its real impact on Huawei's business is quite limited. We will continue to operate our business with our product design and also marketing activities. We will continue to deliver services to customers, and thank you, uh, the customer, for their support and confidence. Ask-
0: oh. Mr. Chairman, whether you have had any direct contact with the Commerce Department or any other U.S. body that has informed you of the decision that is going to be taken with regard to the extension of licenses. It would seem extraordinary to me that they haven't discussed this directly with you.
5: Leo.
1: Actually, not uh, Huawei has not received any communication from any US uh, entities, and we don't have channel to talk to them either.
0: Why? Why do you think they're not talking to you directly? Shouldn't you be having a direct conversation with these important administrative arms of the U.S. government?
1: With regards to this question, I think that the U.S. government has not known Huawei know enough You know, according to our track record over the past 30 years, we have kept our feet on the ground. We have worked very hard to build the business. We have grown from a small company to the size that we're enjoying today. I think that uh, the U.S. government still has not known Huawei good enough. If they had, they would be able to understand we are a company that have worked uh, with dedication over the past 30 years. Just like the U.S. companies like Amazon, Google and Facebook. I think that they are, are younger than us and they are bigger than us and they develop faster than us. I think the lack of communication channel is because of lack of knowledge.
0: The uh, chairman of Huawei there, and just circling back to your earlier question, Steve, doesn't it seem strange that if ultimately there are real serious security concerns here that you would expect maybe the Pentagon to be having a direct dialogue with Huawei to establish what exactly the problem is at this point? Unfortunately, all it does is it fuels the idea that Huawei is being used as a negotiating tactic in the broader trade war story, particularly so when you listen to some of the other conversations that we're having here. Uh, my colleague Nancy, uh, your colleague as well, sat down with um, Robert McCoy from the NASDAQ. So this is the American tech boss that is very interested in continuing to attract Chinese companies to listings in the United States. He doesn't seem to think there's any problem in that area, the trade war notwithstanding. Let's just hear what he had to say
5: almost counterintuitive the way that the listings business has continued to grow between Chinese companies wanting to list in in the U.S. So as I said, 38 companies last year I had thought we would certainly do more than 40 uh, this year. I think it's really the the fact that uh, investors are worried about China they're mm-hmm. worried about the, the ripple effects of the trade war, and so therefore some of the valuations uh, haven't really come in exactly where the companies would have wanted. And I think they were waiting for there to be some more certainty, as you've seen in the U.S. markets. Mm-hmm. Every time you know President Xi or President Trump, usually President Trump on Twitter, but is uh, says something positive about the way that the – talks are going, the market rallies. And every time there's a a sense that they aren't going well, then the market sells off. And so you see that it's really the most important topic in the U.S. and one that the Chinese companies Mm. looking to the U.S. are looking for some certainty around.
3: And the question I have to you is if we get a phase one deal, which the market seems to be fairly hopeful that we could get at least a phase one deal between the U.S. and China, would that be enough to remove this uncertainty you're describing? I think so. You do, I, even I, if I, we I, don't I, get substantial changes to intellectual property and structural issues resolved.
5: I do, because at the end of the day, a lot of those things have really nothing to do with how companies are going to list mm. the, the uh, process of them listing in the U.S. Many of these companies, most of these companies have already done their mm. structures, to, obviously the VIE structure, to be to do an offshore listing to – Uh, take that uh, down and to do a domestic listing is uh, timely and costly, and so a lot of them have already made the decision to list outside of uh, the the local markets.
0: And perhaps just to reiterate the point there that uh, Mr McHughie made at the beginning of that clip that you heard, they were looking for 40 listings from China into the US market. They ultimately saw 38, I think, so far. Um... Is that a disappointment? It seems to me pretty much on trend, if you like, so it doesn't appear as though there has been a a very big impact on Chinese businesses that want to come to deep US capital markets. Guys, back to you. Loving your
2: work then brilliant, yeah, from you and Nancy. There's some amazing questions being asked. Uh, Still got a few questions, though, that we... uh... We're going to put on that. And I thought the Nasdaq interview as well was absolutely fascinating. We'll come to that in a few moments time about that gentleman believing that a phase one deal is enough to keep the momentum going in these markets. I have grave reservations about that as well. But look, stay tuned for even more great coverage this week from East Tech West, including a conversation later this morning with the BNP Paribas China CEO, C.G. Lai. So. Let's move on. The PBOC has cut a key liquidity rate for the first time in more than four years. In a surprise decision, China's central bank just trimmed the seven-day reverse repo rate to 2.5 from 2.55%. The easing measure raises expectations of further stimulus by the PBOC. And herein lies the point, Karen. There are record levels left, right and centre on these markets. I know you and I both been looking at a whole ream of stats about this as well. But why is the market rallying? It's a very basic question it's a question we will be asking all week again why are we seeing record after record level as well? I don't know it's if you've got...
3: Stimulus, maybe, or one yeah. of the other big factors in, in the room when you take a look at some of these markets. The action on the Dow were notable for a lot of investors Friday session. 28,000, the handle that we saw. Uh, the climb in session, another eight of a percent But across the board for the Dow, the S&P, the NASDAQ, fresh records clocked up at, by the end of the trading session. So the um, trend that we've had in place, very positive for markets for the Dow, about 4 Four straight positive weeks in a row, even longer for some of the other major averages as investors continue to wade into stocks. The phase one trade deal very much been eyed for some of that confidence that there might be progression that is seen as positive a risk on for markets, but also with central banks very much in the backdrop. That is something for investors to watch. The areas that have been bid up, and this goes to that trade decision, industrials, very firm, closing at a fresh record. Technology, also another risk on area of the market, and healthcare where investors are putting their money. I want to take a look at some of the other trades, and the foreign exchange might be fairly key as we take a look at what the Fed is saying to investors this week, the release of the minutes come midweek so that'll be a key catalyst for trading the markets also around the dollar which is climbing to the Japanese yen the safe haven trade of the Japanese yen in session today other big factors come the end of the week we might all be taking another look at euro dollar 110 the level we're trading at this morning as it marks a little bit higher with some of this risk appetite but we will see the first speech by European Central Bank President Kristen Lagarde on Friday for clues on future policy action that'll be the one to watch also, when it comes to the politics on this side of the region, Sterling, watching that closely, and you saw some more appetite to pick up this trade on the weekend, with Paul suggesting the Tories are well ahead in the election race although we have seen in recent times that polls are a little bit off when we come to the actual day when uh, voters go along to the polling boost. But 129.26 that means we're towards the top end of the recent trading range on sterling two-tenths north. The Asian market's in session today with news of, of further stimulus by the Chinese. It's been enough to lift the Shanghai Composite by half of a percent and across the board for the Shenzhen to the Hong Kong market, nine-tenths in the green, stronger day of trade for the Japanese stock market. The opening calls here in Europe, uh, this is how we approach. Negative, uh, slightly weaker as you can see for the Zetra Dax by 10 points or so. Not much on the boards, considering we had such a strong run on Wall Street and across on those Asian markets today, the exception is Italy. So we'll take a look closer to the session and see whether we start to firm up a, li- a little bit more for those European markets.
2: Yeah, and one for the viewers on the diary this week. I mean, there's a lot going on later in the week. FOMC minutes Wednesday. FOMC minutes oh. Wednesday. If that gentleman from Nasdaq thinks we're all about the trade deal. I'm just gonna deviate from that slightly as I think we're also about whether there's any more juice left in the rate cutting scenario as well. But they're not so,
3: separate, are they? And being what we've seen in the language for the FMC has really been around the impact of the trade war uncertainty. So if you do get phase one, what impact does that have on the Fed and the decision I think making you make come twenty twenty?
2: Incredibly valid point. Why would you need both? One is a stimulus or right. other is a stimulus. Do you need if you get a trade deal in fact in fact, let's go there. If you get a trade deal that phase is seen one. as comprehensive enough as the gentleman from the nasdaq thought it might well be do we actually see a a a really aggressive pausing a long-term pausing and potentially if that's a great stimulus to the global economy and the US economy, and the dollar, do we see things moving in the opposite direction on rates, potentially and in 2020? Just, just chuck that one out there. I don't think anyone's factoring that one in.
3: Well, that's the thing. You've got very different views on markets. Some think that the central bank will be back cutting come 2020. They think that the signals are weak or enough. Hiking. And or hiking. Or uh, hiking. Well, and that's the point. And, and also hiking b- on the other because
2: side. Because those labour costs have already gone up. They've already got a forehandle. Overall labour costs for US corporates, year on year, have already got a forehandle. And if you get this big stimulus as well, and market are at record levels, why would anyone be A, cutting, B, holding, maybe, just maybe, they might even have to hike.
3: Well, the problem now is that you've got a very key holiday season coming up for the consumer. And yes, as we have. go into it, yes, we saw, have. again, not great retail numbers, not suggesting a lot of strength of the retail community on Main Street. So if we get another wobble for the next couple of months... What does the central bank do even if it does get confirmation on trade? Main Street, Main
2: Street. Some of these companies, you're the one who should be saying Amazon, not Main Street. If people aren't buying on Main Street, they are still buying elsewhere. We know that. No one stops buying stuff question the margin
3: between US retail and what you're seeing here in the UK really? you're not seeing as much discounting take place at this point sure there's a couple of big promotional holidays and we'll be about to you know really hit uh, the um, the season come the end of the, the next week or two when we've got Black Friday Cyber Monday
2: yeah, I don't know I, I'm not sure I'm there I'm seeing 20% on if you're if you're on the list s or you're on the list for that's the here. shirt makers around the corner that's 20 percent left I know that's small but they used to, in a, back in the good old, do you remember the Harrod Sale, ladies and gentlemen? You're, you're the audience who would remember the Harrod Sale. This was, this was way after Christmas. Now, yes. the chance of major retailers holding off to the new year, holding off to Boxing Day, holding off to even the week before, forget it, Black Friday's ruined all that.
3: Yep, that's here, but in the yeah. States. I didn't see as much discounting recently. I think here, even on new yeah, stock, you're off for discounts. So you get an email saying, oh, here, you have 10%, 15% off new stock that has arrived. Yeah. It's not happening as much in the States. But
2: I, I have to say, that the, the point I would perhaps come in at this point is, I, I, I've, I've always said the same thing. I, I can sell uh, a, a million Louis Vuitton handbags tomorrow at £10 at £20 at £500 or whatever it is, £1,000. I can sell... Any number of, of uh, Ford F-150s or whatever tomorrow. We're looking at U.S. auto sales. I can sell any number of sedans. It's the margin on those products. So the overall sales figures mean absolutely zip to me. It's the margin that these companies are making on that, and something that just tying back into another story mm. that you, I, and Jeff and others have talked about a long time: the profitless era, the profits recession potentially, losing um, margin, but gaining sales. It's always been the, the, the pair that has to work for me. Yeah, you can sell stacks of anything. At the wrong price. I think
3: the market's hearing you and that's been the growth story that many have been questioning around technology. But I just want to give another shout out to the Dow. 28,000 points. Have we gone up too quickly? And as we start uh, genuinely start talking about a Santa Claus rally, whether well, it's going to materialise this year, you've got to ask whether everything's already been delivered to markets. Santa Claus rally?
2: Are you joking? We've just had six weeks up mean? on the coming, S&P. Is it? First time since 2017. We've had four weeks up on the Dow as well. Uh, for the first time ever, we're above 28,000 on do you the Dow. Agree with You've got record we? levels on industrials, record levels on technology, record levels on healthcare. We've gone mad. Do you know what tech's up this year? You probably do. You saw the same stuff I did. 40.5%. was really, Let me ask you lot again out there as well. Here we are. We're getting excited now. Was any of you thinking at the, on the 1st of January this year that tech was 40% undervalued? Even if you guys love this stuff, even if you're momentum traders, 40% higher
3: now compared to the 1st of January. FOMO, if you're missing out. Tina, there's no other alternative. (laughs) One of of those acronyms seems to work at this
2: point. I can think of another acronym as well, but I won't. (laughs) It's a family show.
3: (laughs) New technology is transforming the way businesses and banks do business. Now, CNBC is hosting a panel on the Bank of Future Technology right now. We'll have much more coming up from East Tech West. and We will bring you the highlights throughout the morning.
2: And coming up, protesters and police clashing in one of the worst days of violence in Hong Kong. Details when we return. Plus...
3: If you just can't get enough of Squawk Box, be sure to tune in for our very own podcast. You can head to cnbc.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to have a listen and download today's episode. For
2: Fascinating to see how we move forward on banking in the digital age. Well, uh, as you can see, that's uh, Nancy hosting a panel on those very issues at our East Tech West conference in Nansha, uh, China. The CEO of BNP Paribas uh, is amongst those speakers. And stay tuned, we'll have a one on one interview with him coming up later in the show.
3: In the last hour, Hong Kong's High Court has ruled that an emergency law banning face masks is unconstitutional. The decision comes amid a sharp escalation of violence in the Chinese territory after police and protesters clashed at a university campus. Police fired tear gas and rubber bullets while an officer was shot with an arrow. NBC's Dan Sheneman has the latest.
4: Police move in, advancing on the Hong Kong Polytechnic University. After issuing an ultimatum to protesters inside the school, police in tactical gear stormed the campus using tear gas, water cannon, and threatening to use live ammunition. Okay. Explosions and fires erupted during the siege. Protesters, who've been barricaded inside the university for days, launched homemade gasoline bombs at the authorities. Some of the protesters were hurt, some arrested. I think that's what I Everyone is uh, afraid of this. The protest started after legislation was proposed that would allow criminal suspects to be extradited to the Chinese mainland. Activists saw it as an erosion of Hong Kong's autonomy.
1: I want the f- democracy and freedom Will come Hong Kong, but it seems so far away from us.
4: China's president has said he is confident the government can resolve the crisis, but after six months of hostilities, there is no indication the protests will wind down. Dan Sheneman, NBC News.
2: Well, we've got a general election going on in the United Kingdom. Oh, well, we
3: do. We're counting And down. you know
2: what? I love it. No, because normally people in our go, oh, God, we've got to cover the election. I love it. Do you know why? Because as a British taxpayer, as a, as a Brit, and same for you, we're getting so much free stuff doesn't matter who becomes prime minister have you seen the amount of free stuff we're getting there's going to be no ramification for uk debt there'll be no ramification for taxpayers we're all getting free stuff have you seen it
3: well given the amount of duration now in bonds it's our kids paying for it right it's not going to be us Uh, well
2: all their kids it's fantastic internet free nhs free um businesses getting loads of stuff for nothing as well it's amazing Anyway, in the meantime, a new opinion poll by Servation has put Boris Johnson's Conservatives on 42%, with Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party on 28%. It follows four surveys published on Saturday, which also gave the Tories double-digit leads. Today's poll suggests support for the Liberal Democrats is at 13%, whilst the Brexit Party stands at 5%. I'm surprised people can tell the difference because they're all offering so much free stuff.
3: (laughs) Now, uh, Labour, though, is trailing the polls. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn has ruled out a coalition government if the party fails to win a majority come the 12th of December, speaking on the BBC's Andrew Mars show, the opposition leader said he would not commit to a Scottish independence referendum in exchange for SNP support.
4: We're not doing deals with anybody. We're not forming coalition governments. We will put forward the programme on which we will have been elected, which is the one of investment. And my view is that's the issue of an independence referendum should not come in the early years of that government. We should be given the chance, the opportunity, and the people of Scotland will see the benefits of a Labour government in Westminster that treats the needs of Scotland... Right, but you er may seriously.
2: I just did. I'll do this later as well. I just put in the words into a search engine, Corbyn free. I'll do the same. I'll put in Johnson free and Swinson free as well, just to be uh, equivocal on this. Uh, (laughs) And the first three things that come up. Free broadband, free dental checks... And free movement, but that's something else, the third point. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn... Sorry. So
3: business rates might be tackled, though. That was one of the new... Uh, business of rates for
2: small businesses. Please bring it time, on, because yeah. that is crippling so many small businesses in this country. Anyway, another issue. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn will join Liberal Democrat leader Joe Swinson and Boris Johnson at the CBI conference today. All are set to make speeches to business leaders at the event. Mr Johnson is expected to acknowledge that large corporations didn't support Brexit. But we'll say only he can deliver certainty. The Conservatives have also uh, pledged, here we go, to cut business rates and national insurance contributions. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
3: Or join us again on this show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.